So this past Sunday was the fast of Asara Betevis, the 10th of Tevis, which is when uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel, began the siege of um, Yerushalayim, before the, uh, which ultimately led to the destruction of the first base Amikdash. Uh, really, it comes at the end of three days, the 8th and the 9th and the 10th of Tevis. All of them are days of difficulty in the history of Chal Yisrael for a number of reasons. But I'll focus in on one, which is on the 9th of Tevis, which is actually was last Shabbos, is the yard site of one of the greatest um, Yidin who ever lived, um, perhaps a little bit not known enough, but that is Ezra Hasofer, Ezra the scribe. Ezra was the um, head of the Anshe Knesset Hagdola, the men of the Great Assembly. Uh, he was the one who was responsible ultimately for building the second Beis HaMikdash, um, and bringing the Jewish people back to Eretz Yisrael for what we call the Second Renaissance, um, after the 70 years of exile in Bavel, right? Because as we said, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Bavel, was the one who destroyed the first Beis HaMikdash. Then the Jews were exiled for 70 years, um, and that time was mostly spent in Bavel, Babylon. And Ezra is the one who led the Jewish people back to Eretz Yisrael, and then led, <coughs> excuse me, the high court of the Jewish people, which was called the Anshek Nessus Hagdela at that time. That was a court of 120 tzaddikim, many of them prophets themselves, like Ezra was. And he was this just tremendous, tremendous tzaddik, the Gemara says about Ezra, <coughs> that if the Torah would not have been given from heaven through Moshe Rabbeinu, um, Ezra was worthy to be one that the Torah be given through him. And, you know, that's the type of praise and things that it says about Ezra. And he uh, made many institutions. Um, that group of people wrote the davening that we have, etc., etc. Point is, Ezra's yard site is the ninth of Tevis. And that's one of the, we actually mentioned that in the Slichis that we say on the morning of the 10th of Tevis, we mentioned the passing of Ezra HaSefer as one of the sad events of those days. An interesting um, fact is that Ezra is not buried in Israel. Ezra is buried, I believe it's in Iraq today, somewhere in Iraq. Um, in fact, I understand there's a shrine there, and the Arabs have a name for it, and they look at it as a holy place. So Ezra is, is uh, buried in Iraq, which really is Bovel. And the, the obvious question is, what's he doing there? After all, Ezra is the one who led the Jewish people out of Bovel back to Israel. He led the building of the base of Mikdash. Um, Ezra spent his time encouraging everyone to go back to Israel and come there for the second Beis HaMikdash. Um, what's Ezra doing being buried outside of Israel back in Bavel where he led the Jewish people from? So there's a tradition that though Ezra led the Jewish people back to Israel, nevertheless, he made many trips into Golos, into the exile, in order to convince communities that hadn't returned to Israel to do so. Um, we know historically that though the second Beis HaMikdash was built, a number, many communities, many Jewish people, never went back, and they stayed still outside of Israel in exile, um, for many reasons. Um, you have to understand the Second Beis Hamikdash wasn't a full redemption. They were still not independent. They were under the Persian rule. Um, it wasn't such a ter terrific situation in Israel at the time, uh, physically, definitely not, even spiritually. And many Jews just didn't come back to Israel. They didn't feel this is the real thing, this is the real redemption, and didn't come back. And Ezra spent a lot of time on that. And the Gemara talks about that Ezra even uh, gave some punishments to some who didn't come back to Israel. So according to this tradition, um, Ezra was traveling, and Ezra went to the Jews of Yemen. And they, as a community, did not come back. And Ezra uh, cursed them, again, according to this tradition, that if they don't come back, 
that they should always remain poor people. And they should never do well, uh, prosper, um, wealth-wise, in, in Yemen. And indeed, throughout the generations, they were known as poor communities and poor people, and that was attributed to this curse of Ezra HaSofer. The tradition goes on to say that they cursed him back. When, when he told them that they should not become wealthy, they cursed him that he shouldn't be buried in the land of Israel. And here he's trying to get them to come to Israel so that he should pass away in his travels and therefore not be buried in Israel. And indeed, in that journey, on his way back to Israel, he became ill and passed away and was therefore buried where he was at that time, which was in Bavel in Iraq. An interesting tradition. Um, but of course, it raises some obvious questions. Uh, what's all this cursing about? It seems a little bit not typical for great people, for great tzaddikim. Ezra, this tremendous uh, Jewish leader and tremendous tzaddik, is cursing the people. I mean, even if they're not going to, even if they don't follow his directive, does that mean that they're deserving of a curse for them and for their children for all generations? And in turn, how do they turn around and curse this great tzaddik leader of the generation? One of the explanations is the following. Perhaps Ezra wasn't cursing them, per se. Ezra was actually, in his way, um, dealing with the situation. Here they're saying, no, we're not going back to Israel. We're, we're fine here. We're fine in exile. It's, for us, this works. We don't need to go back to Israel. We don't need the, uh, the uh, spiritual system of Israel. We're good here. What Ezra was saying is, okay, you can stay here. But I'm, but, but I'm telling you, I, I'm giving you a curse, which... It's perhaps a blessing in disguise. You'll never become too comfortable in exile. We know that very all, all too often affluence and leads directly into assimilation, which leads into the end of that community of Jewish people. And Ezra said, "Okay, you people want to serve Hashem, you want to remain outside of Golos, but make I'm going to make sure. I'm sorry, you'll, you'll remain outside of Israel. I'm going to make sure that as much as you stay here, you will never become so affluent, so connected to the place that you lose your entity, you lose your existence. This will help that you retain your Yiddishkeit. The people look back in Ezra and they say, fine. But in order for us to do that, in order for us, if you're telling us, you want to help us, so to speak, and you're telling us that we're going to remain poor and gullus in order that we should be strong in our Yiddishkeit and not be assimilated, we need the spiritual help of having you with us here. We know that having a tzaddik buried um, in an area is not only a, uh, a nice thing, but it's something that gives tremendous spiritual energy and blessing and, and power, spiritually speaking, for the Jewish people of that area. Because we have tremendous faith in the power of going to the kever of a tzaddik, to the, uh, to the resting place of a tzaddik, and davening there, and connecting to Hashem in a much greater way because of the holiness of the place and being inspired in our own avodah. So they said, okay, you cursed us that we shouldn't become wealthy so that we should be strong in Golos and we're cursing you back that you're going to stay here with us in Golos, outside of Israel in order to give us the strength and inspiration that we need in order to fulfill the curse blessing that you gave us which is to remain strong Jewish people, Torah people even within Golos this is very interestingly connected to this week's Torah portion as well because in this week's Torah portion is where um, the exile of Mitzrayim is really going to begin in earnest. Um, we have in already the uh, last week's Torah portion Yaakov and his sons, and they all come down to Egypt, and they're they're you know watched over by Yosef, who's the viceroy of Egypt. So the exile of Egypt began. It really began as soon as Jacob, uh, Yaakov, and his sons came down to Israel. Uh, we know the Jews are going to spend 210 years in Israel, and that begins from the time that Yaakov comes down to Egypt. Um, but for that first period of time. 
they were well off. They lived in Goshen. They were under the direct um, protection of the viceroy of the land. And so although they were in exile in a sense of being not in Israel anymore, but they very much had their own place and their own protection and their own prosperity in the land of Goshen, which was in the land of Mitzrayim, of Egypt. But in the end of the sixth portion, all that's going to change because Yosef is going to, is going to die. All of the Shvatim are going to die. All, Yaakov dies in, in the beginning of the Parsha and all the tribes and Yosef die towards the end of Parsha. And that's when exile begins in earnest. And that's when the difficulties and the bondage and the slavery all take, takes over really in the beginning of the next Torah portion. And the very last words of the Torah portion is that Yosef passes away and he's placed in a aron, in a in a casket really, in Egypt. And he's buried in the land of Egypt. And the Rebbe points out, um, that's an interesting way to finish a Chumash. Um, why do we finish a Chumash with bur- the burial of Yosef in Egypt? I mean, we, th- we try to finish on a good note, on a high note. And this doesn't seem like such an exciting note. Yes, Yosef passed away and he's buried. And that, with that we say chazak, chazak, finish chazak, we end the Torah portion. But the answer the Rebbe says is that the Jews are going to be in Golos now. They're going to be in the bondage of Golos. And life is going to be exceedingly difficult. And they need all the spiritual um, uh, help in order that they remain Jews, in order to remain um, Jews that are connected to Hashem, connected to Torah, and retain their identity as a Jewish people. And that's what the Torah is saying, that although the bondage is going to begin, in Israel, in, in earnest, but Yosef is going to remain in Israel with the Jewish people in order that the, when the tzaddik stays with his people, even if it's only in the form of burial, that itself gives them strength, that itself gives them kayak, gives them inspiration in order for them to retain their identity and to be sure that ultimately they will be able to march out of Egypt back to the land of, uh, back to the giving of Torah, and then they will take Yosef at tzaddik with them as well, the one who kept them strong while they were in the difficulties of their gullus. Good job.